and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Well, amen, church. You can have a seat. Authority. Who's your final authority? When it comes to your life, who's the authority? It's okay to give the Sunday school answer here. It's Jesus. It's the most beautiful name. It's the most wonderful name. It's the most powerful name. Amen to that, friends. But where do we find that in God's written authority? Where is it that we find that Jesus is the authority over all? Well, when we look at his last words spoken to us here on this earth, uh, I've talked to church planners that have come up here to Colorado for years, and they know the Great Commission. All right, his last words, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them um, everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20, but there's something that comes before that. There's something that comes before the Great Commission that changes everything. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is where we get our mission from. This is where we get our calling from, from our purpose. This right here is the basis of all authority. I want to tell you guys a story really quickly today. Um, When my wife and I were building our house in Greeley, yes, we built a house in Greeley. We can't afford Loveland. Um, We built, (laughs) that's what happens when you're a teacher. We built our house in Greeley. Uh, We we go in a couple days before our final walkthrough, you know, the blue tape walkthrough. We walk in there. And there's no power. We go to flip on the switch. There's no power in there. So we see this trim carpenter who's working in the corner. And we say, uh, hey, have you noticed there's no power? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll make some calls. I'll get that fixed. So he gives us his word. He gives us his authority. Well, what do you know? We go through our final walkthrough a few days later, and there's still no power. Uh, we talked to our realtor at that time, and she says, listen, I'm going I'm to write a few emails. We're going to get the power on here before you close. Um, we say, okay. She even CCs us on the email. We see her written word, but we get to closing and we go sneak over to our house before we go to closing. And what do you know? No power, no power whatsoever. We sit down at closing and our builder, he assures us, he says, listen, I'm going to get this fixed. This is my house that I built for you. I'm going to make sure that it's fixed. So the next day we go to move in and there's a note on the door and that note says the power's on. Have a good day. Signed. Corey Bessler, that was our builder. So we walk into the house and we go to the light switch and we turn on the light. And what do you know? The power's on. So you tell me which one of those three had the authority. Man, I don't mean to rhyme. I'm going to try not to rhyme all day today. Um, Which one of those three had the authority? Was it the carpenter? No, he gave us his word, but it was no good. Was it our realtor? No, she had every great intention of making sure um, that she got the power on, but she didn't. It was the builder, the builder who wrote his note and we could trust that note because what do you know? We saw the power turn on and that right there is why I believe in this book because I've seen the power of this book. I've seen it change me from the inside out. And so, of course, I give it all authority. I agree with Jesus when I say, yeah, God, you've been given all authority. I've seen it work. It's power in my life. It's funny. That's the last lesson I taught um, to my students. Um, it was 18 months ago. Uh, Marcus, you were there. He was, one of my, he was my teacher's assistant back then. Um, 
And I was talking to the kids, and they were worried about COVID, and they were worried about who they could trust in this next season. I mean, that's, that was the debate. And I told them this story, and I told them, you know, I find my final authority in the Bible, in the written word of God, and his, his son, Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, you know, long story short, 18 months later, um, I'm working here at Bent Tree Church, and I'm so glad I am. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I'm Jeff Lormer. Um, I am your spiritual growth pastor here. You can call me the 3G pastor if you want, um, because I oversee three Gs in our church. I oversee our groups, I oversee our gatherings, and I oversee our generations ministry. All right, And like 3G, um, you guys remember 3G, the cell phone coverage went out of style in 2013? I did too. All right. Um, it's okay. I'm cool not being cool anymore because I've got a really cool opportunity for you guys. We've got a worship night coming up uh, on Wednesday, September 1st, and I would love to see every single one of you guys there. It's going to be an incredible night. Um, we've got child care for you parents, all right? Um, but 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday, September 1st, what a great way to start off the school year, right? Committing it to God in prayer and worship. I'm telling you, it's going to be a powerful night. You're going to want to be there. God is worthy of our worship, amen? amen. He is worthy. Um, I love what the Bible says about worship. I, uh, I think of some specific stories. Uh, Isaiah 6, talking to my mom about this this past week. What do we see? We see Isaiah in front of the throne room, or in the throne room, in front of God, all right? And he says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips, and I've seen the Lord Most High. He thinks he's going to die, right? And then the Lord takes a, uh, takes this like coal and touches his lips and he says, see, this is atone for your sin. All right, now go. All right, uh, go and speak my word. So he's changed. He's transformed as he receives his commission from God's authority. Um, I think about Revelation 5 and 6 when I think about biblical examples of worship. Uh, Revelation 5 and 6 is actually what our generation's ministry is looking at today. They're looking at all the people before the throne worshiping and they're transformed as their hearts are laid bare. I love worship. Being transformed as our hearts are laid bare. And for those of you guys who um, haven't seen this, but I, I'm actually naked up here today. <laughs> Some of you guys, that made you perk up, and a few of you just threw up in your mouth a little bit. Um, what I mean by I'm saying I'm naked, I don't have a pulpit up here today. I don't have any notes. I don't have a prepared outline. I don't have a manuscript or a teleprompter. Uh, I'm completely... I'm Jeff Unplugged today, guys, uh, and I'm doing this very much on purpose because where we're at in our teaching, um, Paul's been going through the book of John, I'm going through the book of Matthew, and where we're at in Matthew 21, we see Jesus unplugged. He's in the temple, and he's teaching the people there, and they're coming to him with question after question, and actually for the next few chapters in Matthew, that's exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to be cross-examined, no pun intended. He's going to be cross-examined. Some of you guys just got it. Um, and the thing is, is he's going to respond with authority. And I'm just so excited to open up God's word without anything in between us. Because that's what Jesus was doing. Just him and the people and spitting truth to their questions. So, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to open the floor to questions. I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you guys were like, oh no, I don't want to hear that. Here's the deal, guys. Um, we're going to read uh, this next passage in scripture. It's Matthew 21. If you want to turn there, if you guys have got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 21, uh, starting in verse 23. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to pray. Some of you guys may need to see, may need to say an extra prayer uh, because, yeah, Jeff doesn't have an outline. 
Wish me luck. Who knows what I'm going to say up here? So you may want to say an extra prayer for me, but uh, let's read. We'll pray, and we're going to dive into God's authoritative word. Sound good? Let's read Matthew 21. Would you guys stand with me? If you have your uh, Bibles, you can open it up. Matthew 21, verse 23. Otherwise, it'll be up here on the screen. Jesus's authority question. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, well, I'll, ask, I'll also ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, well, if we say from heaven, he'll ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And then he said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And then Jesus goes on to tell a parable in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, oh, I will, sir. But he didn't go. So which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes, they did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So then he tells another parable. So listen to another parable. Verse 33, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them in the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come on, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. And therefore... When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Well, he'll bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. This is God's authoritative word without error, written to a people very prone to error. Amen? Amen. You guys can take your seats. And let's pray. God... Come speak your authority today, God, that it wouldn't be me speaking up here, but it would be you speaking through me. God, we seek to hear you and do what you say. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. So God, we submit right now. Come speak to us. Come change us from the inside out by your power and your power alone. Can these things be done? We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So authority. That's the commonality here. If you don't mind, I'm going to sit. Um, I'm glad no one minds. Um, so authority, that's the commonality here, right? That's the, what we see. We see um, some Pharisees, some religious leaders coming up, and they're questioning Jesus, and they're saying, like, who gave you your authority, bud? Who, you know, who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? And he says, well, well, rather than giving them the simple answer, he gives them kind of a roundabout answer that shows them where they're getting their authority from, And then he tells them a couple stories that highlight um, their, I don't know, their problem with responding to his authority. It's all about authority today. And I think authority is something we all understand, right? Um, It's something uh, we all get from a young age. My parents growing up, they told me I had a problem with authority. 
Um, my principles would agree. Uh, here's the thing is I didn't think I had a problem with authority. I just had a problem with people telling me what to do. It turns out that's exactly what authority is, right? Uh, is people telling you what to do. And we all know deep down what authority can feel like. Let me give you guys a couple situations and it's going to make you feel authority. I want you to think about, uh, for those of you who are, who are driving and got your driver's license, um, I want you to think about a cop pulling in behind you in traffic and turning on his sirens. Uh, that feeling right there, <laughs> the look from your wife when you're getting pulled over, that feeling right there, that's authority. That's the feeling of authority. Or for you kids who maybe don't have your driver's license, uh, getting called into the principal's office, knowing that you did something wrong, <gasps> that feeling, that's what authority feels like. Or getting that one email from your boss at work reading those words and going, oh boy, this is going to be a long day. That's what authority feels like. And we all know what authority feels like, but I want to I propose something to you today. I think when it comes to authority, and especially God's authority, I think we have an issue feeling it. Like we don't feel God's authority the same way we would feel a cop pulling in behind us in traffic, the same way we would feel getting called in the principal's office. We don't feel God's authority. Like we understand like God's authority is weighty, it's got its own gravity, but it's like the gravity of a distant star that doesn't touch us. Like, how do we actually feel God's authority? And I'll tell you right now, I think this is a problem, that we don't feel God's authority. Because, well, here's why it matters. Uh, God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. A woman too. Um, and for every action, for every decision you make, there is a consequence And I guess what I want to get to with saying that there's a consequence for every action is like we've got to feel those consequences before they happen. You understand what I mean? And if we don't, um, we're going to be crushed under the weight of our bad decisions. Um, I just want to paint with a really big brush here. I want to cast a really wide net and see if I can catch all of us here in this room. Um, God's authority, His Word. What does it tell us? Uh, it tells, like some of you students, you're going back to school right now. Uh, God's word says, don't cheat, don't steal, right? But you're going to be tempted in this next school year, students. Um, you're going to be tempted to steal an answer, to bum a, an answer or two on a worksheet from a friend, all right? And worse than getting caught, which does happen, you could get caught and it could be really bad for you. Worse is if you end up copying answers and, uh, and cheating on projects and tests, you're going to graduate completely unprepared uh, for the world that lies ahead of you. And you're going to feel the weight of those bad decisions when you don't get the jobs you want, when you don't land the careers you want, all right? when you don't get that promotion. So don't, don't cheat. Otherwise, you'll feel the consequence later. Um, for other people... Um, and this is a hard one. God's word says clearly, flee from sexual immorality. God's word says really clearly we ought to abstain from premarital sex. We ought to abstain from uh, porneia. That's the Greek word. It's where we get pornography from. And yet, here's the thing is so many of us, we're addicted to those things. And we can't say no. We don't feel the weight of God's authority when he says flee from sexual immorality. So what happens? Well, later on, we feel the weight of those bad decisions when we end up permanently damaging our soul or permanently damaging someone else's soul, all right? And we carry around the weight of sin and shame and regret. God's authority says, 
Treat your body like a temple. Honor him with your body. Yet some of us, we treat God's, this body God has given us like a playhouse, right? Like, I, I just want to enjoy it while I've got it. I want to put whatever I want to into it because it feels good. Why not? God's given me this stomach. Why shouldn't I fill it with good things? And here's the thing is when we don't honor God with our bodies, we feel the weight later on. In me, in middle age, I'm starting to feel the weight, all right? I'm not necessarily submitting to God when he says, honor me with your body, all right? Um, some of us, we go even further though when we put drugs and other substances and alcohol into our body and we feel the weight of those bad decisions come crashing down on us later, God's authoritative word, what does it tell us? It tells us um, to rest, to take a Sabbath, all right? To set a pace to finish the race. Yet so many of us in middle age, we work like our life depends on it. And then what do you know? We end up missing out on the life that God has for us because we're working so hard, we forget that there's a family that we're working for. Your career won't be there for you on your deathbed. Your accomplishments, your achievements at work, your salary isn't going to be there for you on your deathbed. Your family will. And if you throw your life into work, you might just miss out on life in the process. We've got to respect God's word when he says, set a Sabbath. I mean, guys, I'm painting with a really broad brush here. I'm trying to catch everyone here. Because here's the thing. We don't feel the weight of his authority, do we? We need to. Otherwise, we're going to make bad choices. God says in his word not to let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. We know, we feel the weight. <laughs> we feel that guilt when we say something we know we shouldn't. When we grumble and complain and we're ungrateful when we criticize others, we know we ought not be doing those things. And then what do you know? We're surprised when true contentment eludes us. We're surprised when we have all these broken relationships around us. We've set fire to our lives by, by, by our tongue that's uncontrolled. Friends, We've got to feel the weight of God's authority in our lives or the weight of all of our bad decisions are going to come crashing down on us later on. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. So, that's why it matters that we understand God's authority, but, but even more so, um, we're facing a world that tells us that God's authority doesn't matter. Um, we're facing our own sinful nature that wants to ignore God's authority. We're facing uh, an evil one, Satan, who wants to convince us that God's authority really isn't all that like good for you. And you're facing a world that tells you that you are the final authority in your life. You remember my question when I started off my sermon here? I said, who's the final authority in your life? The world will tell you you're the final authority. The buck stops with you. I mean, no one's walked a mile in your shoes but you. So you should be the final authority when it comes to your life. Not some old book. It was written 2,000 years ago. You're the final authority in your life. And, and this is a very, very dangerous lie from the world. Um, check out Judges 17.6. Oh, that's been up here. You know where I'm going now. Um, Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Um, everyone was their own authority. And if you guys want to see how that actually works out for ancient Israel when there's no higher authority and everyone just does what's right in their own eyes, when they don't submit to God as their final authority and they just do what they think is best, go read Judges. It's a horrifying picture of men slaughtered in the street, women and children. The most vulnerable among us are the ones that are most abused and most violated. Society effectively collapses. This is what happens when everyone does what's right in their own eyes when we don't submit to the higher authority that is God and his word for us. 
We've got to submit to his authority, friends. That's the point of what I'm talking to you today about. That's why I don't have any sort of manuscript because I'm hoping that it just pours out of my heart and that you guys would know the truth of this, of this, that there's power to be found in God's words, in Christ's words. And so that's where we're going to look now. We're going to see how Jesus answered people who were questioning his authority. Matthew 21, verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. Um, You're going to see some words highlighted today. I just do that for my own memory, so I know what I'm supposed to talk about. Um, Okay, let me give you some context as to where Jesus is at. So earlier on in Matthew 21, you guys remember I rode my scooter out here last week. Uh, It was the triumphal entry. My scooter, not so triumphal. But I came out here on a scooter because I wanted you guys to remember, all right, Christ um, came in to Jerusalem, and he came and he, he shook things up, right? He came in gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and then he turned into like righteous Jesus, angry and wild. And he overturned all the temple, uh, all the tables of the money changers there. And now it's the next day, and he's teaching out there in the courtyard, all right? And the elders and the chief priests, they've got a bone to pick. They're coming to Christ, and they're like, all right, buddy, it's time for you to answer. And this, this actually reminds me of something, being in the courts. It reminds me of our last two Supreme Court justices that were nominated. For those of you guys who don't know, um, we nominated a couple Supreme Court justices in the last four years. And what was that process like? Well, they were nominated, but then they have to do this grueling, like, three, four-day interview in front of all these experts on the law, the House of the Representatives or Senate or whoever. They come and they grill them. They cross-examine them. All right? And that's exactly the picture we have here. All the experts on the law, all the chief priests and the teachers, they're coming and they're going to grill Jesus. And what's the first question they ask? They ask, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Who do you think you are and who told you that you are who you say you are? All right? They get one thing right, though. Um, they look at and they ask, who gave you the authority? Authority, just so you guys know something about authority, it's always given. Authority is never something that you can just walk in and demand. Authority is something that's given to you by others, right? Authority is something you give to others or other things in your life. Um, I remember working at a, I was doing worship at a rescue mission in North Fort Collins. And I remember this guy gets up and he starts talking about the difference between power and authority. And I'll never forget his little five minute Devo. He gets up in front of all these fall down drunks and drug addicts. And he gets up in front of them and he says, y'all are given authority to things you should not be giving authority to. All right. Things that have no power over you. Here's the thing. And he gives this example. He says, a man could walk out into the middle of the street and he could hold up his hand But that doesn't mean he's going to stop the semi that's bearing down on him. All right? He's got no power to stop that semi. The semi's got all the power, right? But here's the thing. You put that man in a uniform. You put a badge on that man. Suddenly, we give that man authority. And so when he puts his hand up, he stops the semi. This is the difference between authority and power. And he was saying, I remember this guy at the rescue mission, he was saying, guys... You're given authority to things like drugs and alcohol, things you should not be giving authority to, things that are going to wreck you eventually. They have no power over you. And I'll always remember his bottom line. His bottom line was authority is something you give. All right? Authority is something given to you. And so this is exactly what the chief priests, with the religious leaders they highlight, and they're asking, who gave you this authority, Mr. Big Stuff? And rather than Jesus giving the simple answer, because he could, he could just say, uh, my heavenly father gave me this authority. Zap! Right? 
That's how Jesus did his miracles. Anyway, no, here's the thing. Um, he didn't give them the simple answer. He gave them a better answer. He gave them a question that's going to reveal their own hearts. He replies, okay, I'm going to ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things, all right? So if you answer me, I'll answer you. If you show me your cards, I'll show you mine. But here's the thing. Jesus knows. He knows they've got the losing hand, all right? He knows that they won't reveal their cards. And in the process, they're going to lose face in front of all the people. And he's doing this very much on purpose to show them his authority is more than just something given to him by his heavenly father. His authority is something to be submitted to. Here's the question Jesus asks, all right? If you answer this question, I'll answer you. He asks about John and John the Baptist. He says, John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it of human origin? So you guys remember John the Baptist uh, he baptized Jesus. That's why he's called John the Baptist, all right? Um, not because he didn't like dancing and he didn't like Footloose, all right? Um, John the... Some of you guys just got that joke. All right. If you haven't, go watch Footloose, the original one. All right. Um, John the Baptist, he, uh, he baptized Jesus. And if you will remember, right before he does so, he says, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, it's God's chosen one. It's the Messiah. John testifies. He says... That's the Messiah. He points to Jesus and says, that's the Messiah. And then when he baptizes Jesus, another witness shows up on the scene. You remember that a voice comes from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we've got two witnesses at John's baptism to Christ's authority. All right. One, literally a voice from heaven. And the other thing is, is we've got John, who's a prophet from heaven, testifying to Christ's authority. And Jesus is asking, well, do you guys recognize that John was from heaven? Or are you just going to say he's just a regular old man? He's of human origin. Well, the religious leaders, they discussed it among themselves and said, well, if we say from heaven, he'll ask, then why didn't you believe him? Because remember, John said, that's the son of God. That's the Messiah. Why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people. For they all hold that John was a prophet. We're afraid of the people. You see, the religious leaders, they had God-given authority but they're ceding it to the people. They're giving it to the people saying, oh, we can't lose face in front of the people. We've got to keep the people, right? They don't care about pleasing God. They care about pleasing people. This brings me to my first point. Do you care more about pleasing God or do you care more about pleasing people? Guys, there's like, there's, you've got to choose. It's one or the other. You can't please both God and man. You can't seek the truth, but also seek to please others, all right? You've got you to pick one or the other. You can't serve both God and money. So they answered Jesus, well, we don't know because they've ceded their authority to the people. And Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. All right, you guys won't show your cards because you know you've got the losing hand. Fine, I don't got to show my hand. And in doing this, rather than just giving the simple answer, what happens? Jesus has revealed that these guys... <laughs> they're getting all their authority, not from God, but they've given it to the people. All right? He reveals more with a question, all right, than they, he could have with an answer, which is just, it's awesome. And this brings me to the first A I want to give you. I've got three A's for this morning. That's what helps me remember. It's a preacher trick, all right? Um, your agenda, that's the first A, your agenda must be submitted to God's authority. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they didn't. They didn't submit their agenda. They had an agenda. It was to keep the crowd and to keep the status quo. And they refused to submit their agenda to God's authority. And I'm telling you, friends, your agenda must submit to God's authority. 
In our own eyes, we've got like all the plans. We've got it all figured out. And you can spend all night thinking about, ah, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I'm going to get this done, this done, this done. And here's the thing is we can convince ourselves that our agenda is actually God's agenda. But it's the other way around. I know when I wake up in the morning, I pray, God, um, search me, examine me, show me if there's any offensive way in me. All right? And if there is, God, I submit it to you. I submit to your authority. You remember what Jesus said in the garden? Not my will, but thy will be done. It's not about our agenda, friends. And we need to pray that God reveals to us what our agenda is. Um, it's so easy. It's so easy. In church, um, and just being Christians, it's so easy to think that, um, well, God wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it. But here's the thing is, like, did God tell you? If God didn't tell you to do it, then it's probably your agenda. Your agenda must be submitted to God's authority. The Pharisees didn't. They didn't want to submit their agenda. And so now Christ is going to take them through, um, goodness, some of the consequences of that. He's going to show them why it's a problem that they don't submit to his authority. He tells a parable. The first parable he tells is the parable of the two sons. What do you think? I love how he starts out that parable. All right, guys. Fine, tell me, what do you think? If you don't know the answer to my question, tell me what you think about this. There was a man who had two sons, all right? Three characters. One man, two sons, all right? We've obviously got a father who's got some authority, and we've got two guys. And now, um, in that culture, a culture that was familiar with storytelling, um, Jesus has set the table. He said, okay, you need to figure out which one of these sons you are. Are you son A? Are you son B? Are you the first son? Are you the second son? He went to the first son, that is the father, went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. Go and do work. We've got a clear directive from authority, right? The father's the authority. Father says, hey, go and work today. And how do we obey? Right away. Use that in parenting. It's fantastic, all right? How do we, how do we obey? Right away. Son, go and work today. Quick aside here. What is the work that God requires of you? So many of us dudes, we're all, focused on doing the right work. What's the work I ought to be doing? All right, what's the job I ought to be doing? There's a work that God requires of you. There's a work that he asks you to do. It's in John 6, 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Um, if I could ask you guys to learn a verse like a catechism, it would be this. What's the work God requires of you? To believe in the one he has sent. What's the work God requires of you? Believe in the one he has sent. You're wondering what work you ought to do today? Believe in the one he has sent. Okay, anyway, quick aside. So we've got the father. Go and work today, son. All right? The son answers, I won't. I ain't going to. I don't want to. I don't really want to do the work today. All right? I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind. He repented. And he went. He changed his mind. That changed his behavior. Initially, he said, I'm not going to. And then he changed his mind and he went. So we've got a son who is initially defiant. I relate to this one already, all right? This is me. I was totally defiant, all right? Um, but later, he's compliant. Initially defiant, later compliant. Then the father went to the other son. Let's see what this other son does. He said the exact same thing. That is, go and work today. And what's the work God requires of you? To believe in his son. There we go. Gold star for you, all right? Um, he went and said this exact same thing. Go and work today in my vineyard. But he answered, I will, sir. Ooh, I love this detail. Sir, you see the suck up there? Like, oh, yes, sir. Whatever you ask, sir. Of course, father dearest. Any one of you guys have like an older brother or younger sister or something like this? Right? These people make our blood boil. They say, oh, yes, of course, father, I will. But he didn't go. Mm. 
These kind of people, I was a teacher for a long time. The teacher's pets, they're dangerous because they might be like looking to lick your hand, but they're going to go bite all their classmates, right? Um, it's true. Uh, these are the kind of people, like the people who, who suck up to the boss. Yes, of course, sir. I'll do whatever you ask, sir. And then they're the first people to throw you under the bus, right? When it's, whatever, when it's closing time, all right? When, when the going gets tough, they're going to throw you under the bus. These kind of people, I mean, and this is universal, even in Jesus's culture, this is like the kind of person you don't want to be. So we've got two sons, one who's initially defiant. No, I don't want to go work today. <sighs> but then he does. And then we've got the second son that's, oh yes, father, of course I will. And he doesn't go work. Which of the two did what his fathers wanted? Well, obviously the first, the one who was initially defiant, but later compliant, rather than the hypocrite, rather than the sycophant. Sycophant, that's a big word. It means a suck up, all right? Um, The first son, the one who was initially like, no, I don't want to. And so Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, tax collectors and the prostitutes, those that were initially defiant to God's authority, they're entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Again, he's saying... These guys, who initially looked like they had hell to pay, they changed their mind, they repented, and they're doing what God says now, they're going to enter the kingdom of God ahead of you. And you guys, you guys over here, that pay lip service to God, but don't actually render your hearts to him, (laughs) no heaven for you. John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they did believe. And even after you saw this, You did not repent and believe him. Jesus has got judgment for those that pay lip service to God and don't actually do what he says. Those who say, oh, my agenda is the Lord's, but don't actually do what he says. Those who don't submit their agenda to him, there's double judgment for them. Because here's the thing is these people, they see others repenting and they're not repenting themselves. Even after he saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So here's my second A for the morning, guys. Your actions must be evidence of God's authority. Again, it's not just enough to say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. Your actions have got to back it up. It's both belief in God and it's our works that follow, right? Your actions have got to be evidence of God's authority. Friends, Jesus was up on the stand here, right? And he's answering all the the questions of the religious leaders. What if they put you on the stand? What if you were on trial and people had to prove that you were a Christian? Would your actions actually be evidence of God's authority? Or do you look like the rest of the world? If I looked at your budget, does it look like that of a Christian? If I looked at your calendar, does it look like that of one who's repented and believes in God? If I looked at your browser history, does it actually look like someone? (laughs) Is it actually evidence of what you believe? Because here's the thing is like these guys, they say, and they say all the right words, but their hearts are far from him. I don't want that for any of you guys. Our actions have got to be evidence of God's authority. Lastly, there's one more parable that Jesus tells. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. He rented the vineyard to some farmers, and he moved to another place. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. And the tenants seized the servants, they beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. 
And he sent more servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. They took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Someone's acting the story out in the back. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Ah, I shouldn't have made that joke there. It's funny, we're laughing, but here's the real deal. Like, Jesus is being like crystal clear here. He's saying like, guys, let me tell you a story. And this is a story that's based on history, a history that hasn't happened yet. He's saying, listen, prophets were sent to you, kings and queens and other people to point you to the way to God and you didn't listen, all right? And then finally God sent his son. It's me, all right? And you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna kill me, all right? More than cross-examining me, you're gonna put me on a cross, And so Jesus asks this question, pointing to the future for those who will reject him. He says, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? That is, these tenants, these people who are supposed to be taking care of uh, the man's vineyard. What's he going to do to them? They're supposed to be, um, goodness, taking care of them. And um, they end up killing the owner's son. What's going to happen to him? He's going to bring those wretches to a wretched end and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. There's a wretched end. There's literally hell to pay for people who disobey. There's hell to pay for people who don't do the work that God requires of him and that is to believe in his son. There's hell to pay. He'll bring you as a wretch to a wretched end and he's going to give heaven, that is what the vineyard stands for I think in this parable, He'll give that to those who give him his share. What is his share? It's you. It's your obedience. All authority belongs to Christ, including you. All right? That means we ought to submit. And so lastly, guys, um, I need you to realize this. Yes, your agenda must be submitted to him, to God's authority. Yes, your actions must be evidence. But even more so, the last day of this morning, um, God's authority is a person. I'm not asking you to submit just to a set of dogmatic teachings, all right? What I'm begging you to do today is to submit to Christ because God's authority is a person. That person is Jesus Christ. When I was a teacher, I used to teach like what these little words are called. This is called an article. It's the indefinite article as in it's not defined, but I just defined it for you here. Who is the person that God's authority rests upon? Jesus Christ, all right? It's called the indefinite singular article, all right? Singular is in, it's in one person and one person alone. You cannot give your authority. You can't give authority of your life to other things and also claim Christ. It's like going up to God and saying, God, I give you my heart. What's behind your back, son? God, no, I give you everything. My time, my budget, my money. Everything, God. What's behind your hand, son? We can't be close-fisted with God. God's authority is a person. It's Jesus Christ, and he's inviting you into a relationship where you give him your heart, and he gives you eternal life, and that is knowing him, knowing Christ. So, I told you the promise, or the, the problem we have is not feeling authority. It's like it's not real to us. But God's authority is real. And it came down in a real person. His name is Jesus Christ, and he wants a relationship with you. And it's not just for those of you who don't know Christ. Some of you may not be believers, may not be whatever full-fledged Christians that have given your entire heart. It's for everyone here. It's for every believer. 
God wants a relationship with you. Um, every morning when I wake up, I, uh, I have this piece of paper. It's a blank piece of paper in my Bible. And I think of it as like what God is asking me to do. I don't know what he's going to be asking me to do today. I know it's, it's going to involve his word and doing what his word says, but I don't know. All right? Um, but I sign the paper at the very bottom saying, God, whatever it is you're asking me to do, I'll do it. I submit to your authority. I submit to Jesus Christ. He is the person upon whom all of God's authority rests. All authority in heaven on earth belongs to him. We ought to submit to him. Um, here's my quick to-do for you guys today. If you want to know God's authority, it's like ABC, but it's even one better. It's BCD. Bible, church, D3. Um, this is what I would ask of you guys. If you want to get to know God's authority in a real way, it's going to start by getting to know his word. All right? The Bible. All right? Digging in and really seeing who is this God that, of the universe that wants a relationship with me. There's so many misconceptions around it. But you got to dig in, into it, friends. And the best way to dig into your Bible, I'm telling you, is a church. Um, it's through this community. People that are going to call you out and say, hey, listen, you say this, but it seems like you've got this behind your back, like you won't give up to Christ. All right? Um, and also, I would say D3, that is your D3 groups, that's the best way that we've found to have that community in a smaller space where you can't just come and be lost in a sea of faces, but where you're in that group. And you're being discipled and you're discipling others. If you want to know God's authority, this is where it starts. It's not ABC, it's BCD, Bible, Church, D3. Um, I want to pray for you guys today. Does that sound good? We've talked a lot about authority. It's about time we actually do something with it and we actually submit our hearts to him. So would you, uh, would you bow your heads? Would you pray with me? God, all authority on heaven and heaven and on earth belongs to you. Um, that includes us. We're here on this earth, and so we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Um, we don't deserve you, Christ, but we thank you that you came. You could have come at us with a gavel. You could have come at us with judgment, but God, you came to us with an offer of peace, an offer of relationship, and so God, we submit to you wholeheartedly right now. God, we submit to your authority. Whatever it is you ask of us, we just want to be faithful to do it. God, and for those of you who don't know Christ, for those of you who would say, I don't necessarily know that I know God's authority. I don't necessarily know that I know this Jesus up here that this guy's talking about. Um, I want to pray for you as well. It's a simple prayer I want to lead you in. It's a prayer to render your heart to him, to give him your life wholeheartedly. Would you pray with me? God, I'm sorry. I've messed up this world you've made. I've messed up this life you gave to me. And I thank you that you gave up your life for me. I do not deserve you. Help me now to believe. I know that I can't do it on my own. I've tried. It's going to be a work of yours inside me. So God, come in and turn on the light switch. Turn on the power. Regenerate my soul. I believe in you with all my heart. And all God's people said, amen. Well, before we close here today and worship, um, you guys probably received a cup when you came in. If you didn't, go ahead and get up and get one. Um, this is communion. I want to talk about what it is. I want to talk about how we do it. And I want to talk about why we do it. Firstly, what is communion? Communion is a 2,000-year-old ritual that the body of Christ has been partaking in. Goodness. 
uh, ever since Christ sat down uh, with his disciples at his final supper and he said, guys, this is my body and my blood broken for you, shed for you. All right? When you ever, whenever you sit down and break bread and take wine, do it in remembrance of me. That's what communion is. Uh, how do we do it here? We would ask that if you're not a believer, if you're not really sure, if you're on the fence, that you just sit back and you watch what the body of Christ has done for 2,000 years. It truly is magnificent to think about this, this, the, the, this tradition that we have that's 2,000 years old. All right? So I would just encourage you, if you're not a believer, just sit back and watch. All right? Um, but if you are a believer, you know exactly why we do this. We need communion with our Heavenly Father. We need communion with each other. We need that reminder of God's authority. Otherwise, we're like that guy driving down the road, all right, who doesn't see the cop till it's too late. <laughs> and God, the thing is, is you can pay a parking ticket, but the fine of our sin, the penalty of our sin... It's something we can never pay. And so we remember today, when we look at the blood, we said, this was worth it. All right, this is, this, is, this is worthy. This can pay for my sins. We look at the body that was broken and we say, God, you gave up your life for us and now we give our lives to you. So, church, at this time, let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's take the bread. <laughs> let's take the little wafer. Let's take that out. It's really hard to get it, if you guys can get it. Um, let's take that wafer, and um, as you chew it, as you, as you place it in your mouth and you feel it broken, remember, this is Christ's body that was broken for you. And as you take that cup, I like to take the cup and put it in my hand and get really still. And if you get really still and you wrap your fingers around it, you can actually see like your heartbeat in there. I challenge you, get real still. Our heartbeat, our lifeline, it's found in Christ and Christ alone. In his atoning death on the cross for our sins. So now drink and do this in remembrance of him. Let me pray for us. God, you are worthy. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of anything we can give you. And so, God, we give you our agenda. We give you all of our desires, our motivation. We commit our lives to you. You're worth it. God, come and change us from the inside out. May our actions reflect you truly, God, and help us to connect with you, Christ. <laughs> you are God's authority incarnate. Help us to connect with you, not just today, but every day from now on until eternity. And we pray all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. You guys can stand. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentryChurch.com.